Welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. We are your hosts of the show, Karen and Kelly Sarlow. Whether you're struggling with grief or you just need answers, we connect you with spirit to find relief, clarity, and direction in life. We can help you move forward. Good morning, Kelly. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm very good. Good. I'm ready for your story. Okay. I need the name of a female first, please. I choose Anita. Okay. Thank you. Um, Okay. So Anita calls and she asks if she can book a Zoom session. And she wants to know if she can have her two children present and her husband. So she wants a group session. And her children are both over 10 years old. And I said, yes, absolutely. So she was looking for consent for kids to attend a session. And I thought, in particular in this session, Kelly, it's very important to hear that there are children here. So right away as I start into the session, so I'm just I'm going to jump now and bring everybody right into session. All four of them are sitting there on Zoom with me. And at the very beginning, a man walks in and says, they're here for me. And he makes this really easy, but I still ask her to identify who it is that she would like, because I do. I ask the clients to be specific and to be organized and to pick who they want, one person at a time, so I don't get a cluster of spirits trying to come through at the same time, all with individual bits of information to validate who they are. And then it becomes a mess for the client to sort So he said, I'm her father. So I asked, I said, are you looking for your dad? Is that correct? And she said, I am. She said, this is what the whole session is about. You have the entire half hour to talk to my father. And he started and said, they're upset. All four of them are upset. And I said, well, yes. So do you mean you've passed recently? This is the upset? And he goes, well, it's partly... He says, I did pass recently. So I asked, I asked Anita that, and she said that was correct. He had passed within about a month. And he said, but they're upset about the way I passed. And I said, oh, is this an accident? He goes, slow down, Karen. (laughs) I'm going to tell you like this. And I said, okay. And he shows me where it's not an accident, it isn't that kind of a death. He actually dies in palliative care. And I thought, oh, did something go wrong? And he goes, nothing went wrong. Nothing. And he goes, nothing went wrong. He goes, I had the most amazing experience in passing. And he goes, but it doesn't look that way, (laughs) like this. And I said, okay, is this why they're upset. And he goes, yes, and I would like to explain some things that happened when I was dying that they just don't understand. He says, but before I jump into it too, like in detail, he says, can I back it up a little bit and just give a couple of validations? And I said, sure. He goes, they've been to therapy oh. since I've passed. Cool. And he goes, they did therapy online. He says, because they couldn't find somebody... Um, fast enough, like in the last month since I've passed, that could see me or see them, pardon me. That's cute. (laughs) Yeah, that is cute. Thanks. Um, But he says they found somebody online that could take them and they were fine with that. So they've done a Zoom conference as a family with a therapist actually twice. He says, so ask them if that's correct. He goes, go ahead and give them that. This is what they're looking for. 
So I did. I said that to Anita and she said, that's absolutely correct. And her husband jumps in and says, whoa, wait a minute. Do you mean to tell me that he knows what we're doing? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And I said, yes. I said, he does. He goes, what? And, And you can see the pause because he's trying to check in with a belief system mm-hmm. that said they would be far away and wouldn't know this stuff. So you can see where he's like, well, wait a minute. That's not what I was told. But here you are giving me something concrete, scientific, like proof. And I'm gonna, I was going to say scientific proof, but you're giving me proof because this is correct. Like we've even gone twice. Like, Okay, hold up. And you can see where he's trying to think and sort through, do I let go of that belief then? And you can see him change. You can see like his emotions. And it's like, well, you know, Kelly, it's a split second where he's sitting there going, wait a minute. Yeah, like an egg cracks, you know, and it's just like everything changes. Nothing is the same. Yeah. From that moment on. Yeah, that's that's a good example. Thank you. I like that. So then Anita says... Um, what else does dad want to say about this? And her dad says to me, I need to talk about the fact first that in therapy, um, they try and ask the therapist questions about my death. Like she can talk to dead people or she's been dead and she understands what the death experience looks like. And the therapist put her in her place (laughs) and said, Anita, I haven't I don't know how to do that. I'm I'm a therapist. I love it because it's it's almost like when you're a little kid and you think your parents know the answer to everything <laughs> and the parents like destroy your world when they're like, I don't know. Yeah. Right? A therapist now being like, Hey, whoa, like you're putting too much on me. Yeah. That's not my specialty. Yeah. And the therapist came through as he's telling me to repeat to her came through to say, I have my own religious beliefs around all of that, and I shouldn't be imposing them upon you. Healthy. Yeah. And you should be you should be seeking your own answers to the people who can provide you with that, and then make your own decision as to whether you choose to believe it or not. And that should be a process individually for you and your your partner, and then how you're going to raise your children. And your children are over 10 years old. They're going to have some of their own ideas now. Mm -hmm. So you can come back to therapy, and we can discuss all of that, and I can guide you through a healthy process of how you discuss something where you have different beliefs, if you do. But that isn't my specialty. So here they are. And I repeated that to her. I said, this is what grandpa had told me that they had experienced at therapy. And her husband (laughs) again goes, wait a minute. He goes, wait wait a second now. So so my father-in-law was able to go to therapy with us and he just died within the last month. So he's already going through some things and you're you're proving to me that like he was at therapy with us, like what the heck? And he turns and his little girl looks at him and he goes, you were right. Nice. Yeah, to his daughter. And she just smiles. She smiles like a cat. She smiles like, yeah. I I knew the secret. Yes. Oh, I like how you're saying that. Well, why did you say like a cat? 
Well, I think of like that saying about like you smile like a Cheshire. Cheshire cat. Cheshire cat, meaning that the cat already knew. Yeah. And you guys were just dumb shits. Yeah. It's like this little <laughs> wry smile. Yes. And he like he affectionately touches her. I, I'm going to say to show her love and to show her appreciation because that's how it felt for me. That's what I saw. So mm-hmm. I'm going to share that because I think that's a beautiful thing to say about how they're interacting with each other. And how he's not thinking, well, I'm a parent and I'm going to deny it and mm-hmm. and I'm supposed to know and she's not. You see where he has humility. Mm-hmm. And I think this... And, and respect. Yeah. I think that's something that we don't say often enough as humans. We can identify humility, but we forget to tag along that when we exercise humility out loud, not just in our heads, that we're actually also extending respect. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Then grandpa brings me back, Kel, and he shows me that he's laying in the bed. He shows me nursing staff around, and but he also validates that the nursing staff have him in a hospice care, like he's in a professional setting. He's not in his home. Mm-hmm. So I use that as a validation to give to the family again, and Anita confirms. And I'm also noticing that Anita is the one that's going to confirm everything, and that you do see some of the other ones kind of like sitting in their chair, like, oh, she got that right. And like, you see they're they're demonstrative in the fact that they're they're engaged. Yeah, very much. But you also see where Anita has been, you know, elected spokeswoman and that they have figured out as a family that if they all talk at the same time that they may not get their needs met in the half hour. So she's the one that speaks up each time and says something when it's not directed to somebody in particular, mm-hmm. when he's not addressing one person. So he shows the nursing care and man, oh man, Kelly, does he ever give me the feeling of absolute love and care from all of the staff at all levels. Beautiful. And I want to say that because there are personal support workers there. There are cleaning staff members there like that are that like, I mean, it's a public setting. So there's janitors, there's security people, like there's all kinds of different people with different roles here. And he's showing that all of them in what they do care about the fact that they work in this environment. Mm-hmm. Right down to, well, I'm, 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 no, let me reword that. Every single person. On every level. On every level. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm just going to word it that way because you see that he values the energy of every single person working there mm-hmm. because he feels it in his dying process. And so I told her that and she said, that's so true. She said, we even wrote something about that in the obit that went into the newspaper and on, I'm going to say online, mm-hmm. um, we wanted to thank every single member of the staff because we truly felt that way because every one of them would say hello to us, goodbye to us, how's your dad today? Like she said, every single staff member. So then he starts to say to me and shows me, so I want to say that there's an explanation, I can hear him, he's talking to me, I can feel things, and I can see things. So I'm going to say it's very much like a movie, but that I can be interactive with the movie. He shows me his room, and that he's laying down in the bed, and that there are staff in the room, but in the background kind of doing things. They're not addressing him. And they're showing where his family is around, so his son-in-law, his grandchildren, and Anita are there. And he shows 
where all of a sudden there is there are more people in the room. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. But he shows me that they enter from the ceiling. He's not showing that they walk through the door. Mm-hmm. So that indicates to me that they're, they're coming for him. They're dead. Yes. And that they're coming to take him home. And it's like, okay. And I love how he did that so that I had a really clear understanding. These are not human beings. These are his people that have crossed. And I see that there's a mom and a dad. And I asked him if that was correct. And he said, yes, it was his parents. And I said, did you have step-parents? Did you have any situation that you want to explain to me about parenting? And he goes, no, just a mom and dad, biological, stayed together through their whole marriage, died. Like that. And I went, okay. And I said, what else? And he shows me a group of girls, a group of females, pardon me, um, that have passed over that are his siblings. So I said, oh, I said, your dad had sisters. And he, and he just says, yes. And I said, and they predecease him. And she confirms. And I said, wait now, I see a little boy coming in. And she goes, what? And I said, there's a little boy. But he shows me he's got swim trunks on. And he says to me that he died in a swimming incident. And I said, what do you mean? And then he shows me like another TV screen and he shows where he's in a lake and he dies in the lake. He drowns. So I said, okay, were people around you when you died? And he goes, no, look. So I see where he wanders to the lake on his own. I do see adults up at the house. But And I even see some of them outside, like around a garage and stuff, but they're not down at the lake. So he wandered down to the lake by himself and went into the lake and drowned. And they don't find him for like, I'd say maybe half an hour. They don't realize he's gone. I don't understand why that happens and why they didn't know Kelly. Um, but she did confirm that he had a brother who died in a swimming accident as a child. Congratulations. Thank you. Now, when he sees his brother approach, he's freaking distressed. Mm. So it's like, oh my God, oh my God. So like his human laying in the bed gets distressed to see him. He sees his mom and his dad and his sisters. He gets happy. So he goes from being distressed to happy, and then he sees his brother again and feels distressed, so he goes back and forth until he realizes that he doesn't have to feel distressed. His little brother's fine. Mm-hmm. He's, he's with his parents. He's with his sisters. They all found each other. Everyone's safe. Yes. And then he calms down. So I explain this. and My God, Kelly. If you can't, like the faces on everybody in the room, and all of a sudden it's like they totally forget that I'm even there, and they all start talking amongst each other going, oh my God, this explains why grandpa went through this. Mom, he wasn't mad at us. Mom, he wasn't trying to tell us something. Mom, and you can see how they're all sorting. Oh, I got goosebumps all Mm. over. You can see how they're sorting through and how each of them in their anxiety is trying to say what they thought, and they're all trying to talk at the same time, and they're all trying to work through their grief and through their confusion and through their anxiety, through all of the worry. And then as time goes on, and I'm going to say, Kelly, this all happens within about five minutes because 
I have to be quiet now because the family is healing. So grandpa and I are just sitting still and with his mom and dad, his group of sisters, and his little brother that's passed. And we're all happy. I got to tell you, I get to sit with his dead family and I get to be happy with them that they are getting this. Now I want to hit a pause button because it's important at this point to say that when the family describes this to the nursing staff, the nursing staff are able to say things to them like, this is normal, we've seen this before. We don't understand what's happening, but this is normal. And so they go through a process of, okay, let's see if his bowels are working. Let's see if his bladder's working. Let's see if he's in any kind of physical distress. Let's see if there's any obstruction of an airway. Let's, and so they go through a protocol, and this is good, normal, and healthy. Mm-hmm. This is professional. They know what they're doing, and they're calm about it. And so I said to the family, and all of them, I said, the nursing staff handled this properly. I said, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They followed their policies and procedures the way that they are supposed to, with the knowledge that they have. And he is explaining this to them. Then Grandpa tells me that they have a conversation. The nursing staff, uh, even some of the other staff, actually, that are in the room. That's cool. That's inclusive. Yes. When he's in the room, he's in the bed. The whole family's there. And he says they all have a conversation around what happened because they ask the nurses what's happening. Mm -hmm. And the nurses do their proper protocol, and they have this conversation around what they think is going on. And so he's describing what some of these different people in the room believe is going on. And now he's actually answering the question and saying, this is what happened. Mm -hmm. So he's he's giving the family their validations as to what they think, if it's right or if it's wrong, and also if the staff thinks something's right or wrong. But I want to point out here that the staff do it in such a way that they, they are very respectful to say, this is what I believe. Mm-hmm. They do not say, this is what happens. Then he explains another incident to me. He says, where I reach my hand out, and he says, this distresses them tremendously. They all jump up because they think, yeah, I need... Yeah, it's like an unanswered need. Yes, they think, I need them. And they're all asking me, Dad, what do you need? Dad, what do you want? And the nursing staff kind of stands back and doesn't go running to him. Mm -hmm. And the family is okay with that, but they kind of turn around and ask the nurses, like, does dad need something? The nurses believe he doesn't. They've seen it often, and they are not in any kind of panic thinking they need that he needs them. And he says to me, I saw my wife. He goes, she came walking towards me, and he says, my heart burst. He says, on earth, I adored my wife. He said, she was my best friend. And he goes, and as she walks towards me, he goes, I just believe that I'm literally walking towards her. Mm. He says, but I find that I'm a little bit stuck in my body. I'm a little bit stuck, and I can't quite get there. And he says, and then she puts her hand out towards me. So I put my hand out towards her because that's what you do when you meet your person and they have a hand extended, you hold their hand. And he goes, so I was reaching out for my wife. Now, Kelly, (laughs) all of them in the room were 
ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all your anxiety just has the opportunity to like dissipate. Yeah. Nothing was missing, nothing was wrong, and it wasn't about me as, yeah. as a human family. Yeah, and the nurses get that. The staff get mm-hmm. that. So they just sort of stood back and thought, oh, he's just reaching out. This often happens. This doesn't mean we have to run to do something. It's okay. And the family has their anxiety, and they've had it since it occurred. Mm-hmm. So thank you for explaining all of that and what it really can do for somebody to to know this in case this happens to you and you're listening to this. Mm -hmm. I think, too, it's important to note that having anxiety about that kind of situation when you bear witness to it is not wrong. Yeah. So we're not saying you should never feel anxious when this happens. We're not we're not making grandiose statements, right? I think to worry when you see something like that or to wonder um and and hope that you can do something or wish that you can do something to ease someone else's pain or distress is a beautiful sign of love and wanting to give to to the other person who can't do something for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I just I think sometimes people have the notion that like we don't suffer as mediums or we don't miss people as mediums or our anxiety never goes up and down because we see both sides of this world and the other, right? And I just I want people to know that those human emotions don't just go away. Mm-hmm. They're an indication or a sign of love. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when we get a better understanding of what a situation was, we can have relief retrospectively. It's not that you should have it now that you have this knowledge. Mm -hmm. Kelly, there was one more thing. He told me that he made these sounds in his throat. Um, I'll say in that last day before, and I think the word he referred to was a death rattle. And I'm not positive, but I think Anita confirmed that that was the word the nurses used. I'm not positive about this. But he had some kind of a gurgly sound in his throat. And he confirmed that he wasn't choking. He confirmed that this wasn't um, something that was distressing, but that it was um, a normal process of a body dying. And that he wasn't in personal distress over this. She appreciated that because that, in fact, was something that caused all of them some stress. Mm -hmm. And they did want to know. They did approach the nurse and say, what's going on? He's doing this. Is he choking? What's going on? Do you need to roll him, move him? There was some anxiety over it. So each of them in the room thanked me for explaining that. Even though I couldn't truly explain it in a real deep medical way, he was just simply affirming for them this wasn't something that was bothering me. Mm-hmm. So I want to be really clear about that. He's just saying how he's feeling and what he's going through. And I wasn't feeling this. You guys were worried I was feeling something, but I was not in fact. Mm-hmm. So again, you can see that all the way through this entire half hour session, it is about getting validations for some things. It is about being educated and getting the um, affirmations that it's grandpa that is here telling us this stuff. We've got the person that we need to talk to. The staff could only do so much, and they did that, and they did it beautifully. Therapy can do so much, and she did it beautifully too. So I think what I'm trying to say is they're getting all the pieces of the puzzle, aren't they? Yeah, specifically, they're getting all the teachers. 
Right. I think that's a more important way to word that. Yeah, that's and, really good. And more um, respectful in honoring the different professions that have come mm-hmm. together to assist them in their grief, mm-hmm. right? And that doesn't mean the grief is over. It just means that what they carry in terms of their grief is potentially a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. Grandpa's final message at the very end of the session comes in for his son-in-law, and he says directly to him, I want to talk to you. He said, I want to explain something to you. When you go through the dying process and when you become alive again in a different energetic form, you remember. And the son-in-law burst into tears. And I said, are you okay? Did I, did I do something that you uh, yeah, didn't want to hear? Was this a boundary crossing? And he goes, no, no, no. He says, my father-in-law and I had a lot of conversations before he entered the final stages of palliative care. He said about the death process and what we both thought it might look like. And we wondered at one point if it was possible that you weren't lost, that you don't go through feelings of being lost, trying to find people, trying to figure out where to go, what to do. Do you have a body? Don't you? Can you hold on to the idea of it? Is it energetic? We had so many amazing conversations. And at one point, we did wonder if there was a remembering rather than a a learning or an aha. Yes. And do you, like, what a beautiful feeling it would be that if it's a remembering, there would be comfort in it because it's something you already knew, that it was familiar and loving and kind versus something new and that you don't know, so you kind of have to be open to a new experience. Karen, this is a beautiful session. I'm so glad that you put this together, and I also cannot wait to share my coffee with the Sarlows next week. Oh! Because it is going to be a beautiful, to-be-continued kind of story oh, from this. Then I'm I'm so happy that you're my daughter. Same. I'm, yeah, it's the fullness of life. Mm-hmm. When, yeah, I'm overjoyed right now, and I have no words. <laughs> great. I love that. I Are we done with yes. the, the story itself? Okay. And I'm tearing up. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's so beautiful, not just in the things that we can take away as listeners and, and witnesses of the story. Um, it's also beautiful in that we got to hear about a family that really is the definition of family, mm-hmm. right? That support system, that safety, that love that, you know, we're told both holds you and lets you be free at the same time. Um, in children as young as just over 10, like that's remarkable. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it also gives us uh, hope that that is out there, that we can create it, that we can become it, uh, however, however, whatever angle you want to take with that. Um, thank you so much for giving us a show on grief specifically, because I know a lot of our, our stories come from a place about um, learning hard lessons so that we can continue living and getting them right, right? Um, and this one was was very much about how do I experience grief in a healthy way? How do I crack my belief system so that grief can be something beautiful and not just sad or scary or something that makes me hold my breath? And it sounds like to me that this family sat down and said, we've been holding our breath since. Can you help us with that? Um, so I, you just, you did a beautiful job. Grandpa did a beautiful job. Um, And again, the humans in that family 
showed up with beautiful responsibility um, to fully understand uh, and learn and support one another. I'm proud of all of you. Well, I'm, I want to say thank you, and I also want to point out how beautifully you explained all of that. And hopefully, Kelly, that people listening will re-listen to the part that you said at the very end. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Coffee with the Sarlos. If you enjoyed the show today, help spread the love with a like, share, or review of the podcast. See you next Saturday with a brand new episode.